0: If you're a mom, you're a superhero. That's right, own it. We possess a unique superpower of intuition, a sixth sense for what our kids are up to, how they feel, what they want, and when they want it. Yep, it's amazing. I call this Mom Sense. Oftentimes, we are Googling for answers, joining Facebook groups, or relegating to taking unsolicited advice from our friends when all we have to do is listen to that voice inside us. No, not the one that's telling you you're fat. The other voice, the one that seems to know everything when it comes to your kids and leaves you feeling confident, empowered, purposeful, and all things hashtag momgoals. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadha Gupta, and I'm a mother of twin toddlers and a baby, double the fun plus one. And I can honestly say that now that I'm a mom, I feel like my life is just getting started. On my podcast, I interview industry experts and real life mamas on their Mom Sense experiences, tackling topics like how to teach kids to meditate, what it takes to have the marriage you've always dreamed of, and how to master your car makeup routine. Grab your latte that's probably ice cold by now and take a listen to That's Total Mom Sense. So if you're a mom of toddlers, you've probably had to deal with the dreaded tantrum. They happen all the time at home and in public. And when we have an audience, like when you're at the grocery store or at the mall, it's the most embarrassing thing ever. They don't call it terrible twos for nothing. Today, we're going to learn how to deal with tantrums and really get to the root of the issue. My guest today is Brooke Campbell. She's a licensed creative arts therapist and board certified trainer of drama therapy with 15 years of experience and holds a master's degree from New York University. She's the founder of Creative Connections LLC, an arts based community organization providing drama therapy to clients, universities, hospitals, schools, nonprofits addiction centers, and domestic violence organizations. Brooke is an alumni and teaching fellow at the University of Pennsylvania with the School of Social Policy and Practice and guest lectures at NYU and the School of Visual Arts. In 2018, she received the Women's Excellence Award in Children's Advocacy, and has been voted by parents as a favorite kid's doc in the category of psychotherapy from 2013 to 2018. I think this is a topic that's really, really relevant to um, to first-time moms, and you're going to help us solve this catastrophic problem that we face when we have toddlers. (laughs) So firstly,
1: please tell us, what is drama therapy? Thank you. Yes. So drama therapy began in the 1970s and the definition, which is cited from the North American Drama Therapy Association website, it states that drama therapy is an active and an experiential approach to facilitating change in our lives. So what we use as drama therapists is through the use of storytelling and projective play, really intentional and purposeful improvisation and the use of performance. We invite people to rehearse desired behaviors and really practice being in relationship with others, with groups, with their families, and to expand and find flexibility between their life roles and perform the change they really want to be and see in their in their world.
0: So, how does it really relate to um, psychotherapy?
1: So, it's similar in the use of we as drama therapists are tr- are trained as psychotherapists, so we do take group therapy and individual counseling and psychotherapy, and our work is rooted in psychology. We can use the talk therapy, but when there are moments where talk is not enough, and especially with children or if we're going through a transition or a hard time in our life, no matter what the age, the use of embodiment and play really gets to the root of some of those challenges and issues, and it gets to the surface very quickly and helps people really find uh, another way. Uh, They are able to problem solve, gain insight, and really move forward in their world in a more effective, faster way.
0: So why is it that toddlers throw tantrums and act out? Is it just to get our attention or are they like stressed out or frustrated why do they act out?
1: Sure. No, that's a great question. And as a mom, I have three small children, myself, age ages almost eight and five and a half and two, almost three years old. And that toddler age is is really challenging. And and I, I love how you do cite that that the twos and tantrums, oh my. And and it is, it's a challenging time because this is the age of of, de- of them really developing. And so developing cognitively, being able to sort of find their words. And so with that, it gets frustrating because as, even as adults, sometimes it's hard for us to really say how we're feeling, what we're needing in the moment. And so for children at that age, it is both, that their tantrums are both. It could be to get our attention right away, but also there, there could be uh, an issue. They could be stressed out about something. And so when they're in that moment, um, it's really, they're really overactivated in that lower region of their brain. So I love to use and cite the book by his name is medical doctor Dan Siegel, Daniel Siegel. And in his book, it's called "The Whole Brain Child." He really talks about this. So I reference this book a lot. There's a lot of great strategies, but he talks about how in the lower part of our brain or the lower staircase of of our of our brains, it's really responsible for that primitive, uh, those primitive feelings like the anger and rage and fear. And so children tend to live in that place. They get really activated very quickly. And so it's our job to help uh, our children. This is what I do with, with my own children, but also in the work that I do um, in working with children in, in drama therapy is to really help them shift from their lower part of their brain to their middle prefrontal cor- prefrontal cortex Mm -hmm. Um, which is responsible for thinking and and planning and imagining. So there's ways we're going to talk about later to be able to help them really shift um, into that that other part of their brain. But usually it's because children are very trapped and uh, in that lower region of their brain. So what fires up is sort of this rage and primitive feelings. And so it's our job, obviously, to sort of hold space for them and help them um, transition and shift. To that that uh, more um, prefrontal cortex part of their brain, where they can really think about what's wrong and what do I need. It might take time, uh, but that's our job is to help, hopefully help them guide guide them so they can be able to. Uh, problem solve, and again, just sort of access that other part of their brain, which it sh- I've seen children, even of all ages, not just in the twos, they really struggle with that, that self-regulation self-regul- and mm-hmm. being able to make those shifts. But in our, in my work, uh, using drama therapy, it's, it's really effective, and I've been able to use it in my practice, too. And I've seen it work, yeah.
0: Wow. Um, and so because they can't really tap into that prefrontal cortex, um, is that why they cry, you know, yell, kick, scream is, is that what they do as a result? Kind of,
1: I, I see that. Yes. I do attribute to that. I mean, yes, it's, it's obviously, especially with that younger age to two to three, that the toddler age, it is obviously, cause it's, it's a, it could be similar to the, to the baby and, and the infant of like I'm tired or I'm hungry and, and, and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, But, but especially with the toddlers, they are learning language. And so it's like, they do have some of those words to be able to say what they're needing But they're not quite there yet. They're not able to fully access and say maybe exactly the words and exactly what what they're looking for. So I think it's frustration a lot of times. That's what I've noticed with Mm -hmm. a lot of travelers that it's just, it it almost um, is very difficult for them to express the full intention, the why behind what they're needing and wanting in that moment so it's almost just they're filled up like that volcano they want us so badly to understand them and so I mean similar with adults when we feel triggered when we're angry and we're driving and we're in a traffic jam and we need to get somewhere and what comes out is like ah and but inside (laughs) it's something else you know oh I just really wanted to get there on time or I really wanted time for this or that Mm -hmm. we get get easily frustrated, and I think for toddlers it's very much that way because they're still developing. Uh, obviously, cognitively they're still developing; their brains are still, uh, you know, forming and gaining so many new uh, skills, and they're learning so much. So they're activated in that way, um, but then they're easily, obviously, frustrated because again they're struggling with the learning. And yes, they do get very much activated and locked in that downstairs brain. So that's our job. We want, we don't want them to cycle through. The downstairs brain, where all they're they're trapped in that feeling of fear and and frustration and rage. That's where we can come in and kind of help them break up that cycle, so they can know, okay, we can validate and say, "Can see you're mad, you're know, like you're really scared or afraid." You know what what can we do? And so maybe just sometimes validating it and helping them shift it helps them pull to that other part of the brain. Can we do this or that? Maybe we could go outside. Do you want this or that? giving them the options. I know that's what Dr. Dan Siegel talks about, like giving little options and ways where we can pull them out in that moment, grab their attention and help them make a choice. I think really, uh, again, just sort of helps them shift and they can be able to find the language and find another way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess let me give you a scenario. If, you know, a mom is in a grocery store and her, you know, two-year-old is, is throwing a tantrum. Um, Can you give some tips on what she can do at that moment?
1: So, I mean, it, it, and I've been there myself too, um, as a, as a parent, and I've seen it uh, obviously in in my office many times with children. Um, So, I mean, it, it definitely depends on what level of like the tantrum that they're in, but if they're in that stage where we can kind of catch it really before it sort of gets to that, total meltdown place. We're starting to notice that they're getting frustrated or fussy. A lot of times what I do is, you know, I, I stop and I, I I really want to help them sort of freeze in that moment. So I might, uh, you know, and I learned this when I interned with his name's um, Dr. Lee Chasen. He works at a place called Kidesteem. I interned with him many years ago, but he talked about super power ways to get our mad out and sour power ways to get our mad out and super yeah. power ways is just naming it. You know, I'm so mad, so we can model that for our children. Like, you're just so mad right now, or you're so tired, or you were fr- frustrated. You want to go home. You don't want to be here. You can kind of validate with with how they're feeling, how you think that they're feeling, and mm-hmm. then to shift it. Like Dan Dan uh, Siegel talks about in the Whole Brain Child, we can help them shift to really go towards their prefrontal cortex, which is uh, really having them. Um, Connect with something in in front of them, like it's very it's very rooted almost in like mindfulness and sort of meditation and and really being in the moment. So we want them to use their senses. We want them to, stop. Okay, so one after we validate how they're feeling, I see they're like mad. Ah, oh, I'm so mad. Oh, you're, you feel so frustrated. And then maybe you grab a cereal box. You know what color is this? What character is on this box? You love, <laughs> you love minions. You love. Uh, my, my kids are so excited about the Toy Story movie coming out. So it's like, oh, look, here's that, what's that character's name? Or what color is that? Or kind of getting them. And I know it sounds like it's just sort of um, a distraction. And it's, it's not exactly because we validated their feeling first. If we didn't validate the feeling first, then it, it maybe it would be considered a distraction. But mm-hmm. it's really about pulling them into the moment so that they're not in that loop of um, rage or frustration, it's like we can pull them in that moment and then we can problem solve with them once they sort of settle down a little bit. Hey, do you want this? Do you want that? Maybe kind of giving them some options, you can sort of talk with them um, and, and be able to get through the moment. And it's it's definitely worked um, with the people, the kids I see in my practice, but also with with my own children. There's a moment where we, it just shifts it, breaks it up where we can laugh and uh, be able to sort of connect and, and then just kind Kind of work through it and, and get through the next moment. So I mean, and it is about negotiation. So it might mean that okay, so they're a little happier, um, and so then maybe we have to like quick, quickly get the stuff we need, check out, and get out of there. You know, I mean, it, it <laughs> might mean that we be there another hour if they're sort of tired or whatever it is. But it'll help, I think, in that moment um, for them to be able to ease in uh, their their full level of, of frustration or whatever they're experiencing.
0: No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's so funny. I didn't realize that I was employing a tactic like that because I do that with my twin two year olds now. Um, you know, there's times where at mealtime they, you know, throw food on the floor and, you know, if it's something that they don't want to eat, and it's, um, it's exhausting, um, yeah. it's, you know, it just, like, no fun for anyone. But I've noticed that if I give them some tegu blocks or a puzzle or start asking them, um, you know, what color is this? What shape is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, they're, like so zoned in into answering yeah. the question. And then it's like, here I am spoon feeding them and they don't even realize because they're answering my questions.
1: Right, right. So, I uh, think that, like, it transitions that moment. Absolutely. That's perfect. Yeah. You're already doing it. You're absolutely already doing it. And I think it helps for me anyway, just to know there's a little bit of theory behind it. Like, wow. And as moms, I know sometimes at, at times we question ourselves and doubt ourselves. So to know like, wow, I really am using... Uh, this this strategy that is effective, and I am trusting my gut and it is working. And so, and it's it's now that you're hearing that there's a reason behind it. It's really helping them shape their brain and being able to uh, you know problem solve and be able to self-regulate mm-hmm. and all of that. I think it's it's really, really helpful. Um, and in in terms of drama therapy, we use a lot of like role play. as drama therapist, but also I've, I've pulled drama therapy techniques into my parenting practice. So I do Mm -hmm. tend to use a lot of like role play and embodiment using my actual body to mirror maybe if my child is feeling mad, Oh, I'm, is your man kind of like this dragon that's breathing fire? You know, we can sort of mirror that for them, their inner feelings. We can project it out through the use of play and embodiment. I use a lot of mirroring. So if my, son is maybe grumpy, maybe I do a grumpy face and maybe start <laughs> that place, like, I just don't wanna be here, I'm tired. I wanna go home or I want this or I want that. We can sort of mirror them. Um, I use a lot of storytelling with the kids, either making up the story with them, um, using fairy tales, um, and just really being able to connect with our children, that really very much helps.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that's a really good one that you said, role play. Um, it's almost tapping into you know their their sense of imagination and wonder, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's like if you're mad or scared or sad, um, you know, or sleepy, just kind of like pretend you're this animal and and act it out, you know, and then it becomes um, a type of play and, you know, and a game and something that you can quickly get over. Um, well, and I think this can, is can much learn. better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is much better than, um, you yes. know, I, I'm sure parents do it, we do it all the time. Uh, if you stop crying, I'm going to give you some fruit snacks or some M&M's. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to use that route. And and I feel like I personally don't like to reward with food. Um, but, yeah, kind of that bribery like tends to backfire,
1: right? Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've definitely been there in, in situations myself as well when we're feeling sort of at our wit's end. Um, I, I, I've also seen that when I when I do have that insight and I am able to sort of pull from some of the examples I mentioned, it seemed like it sort of transitions things with more ease. Like for example, like if we're downstairs, and I need to put the kids to bed. I'll be like, oh, hey, we're birds or we're superheroes and we're flying upstairs. Like something where like you can use the role play to actually assist with these transitional moments. And it really, I feel like, what happens is children tend to comply more easily through the use of role. Like it's a win-win. So it's like we, what, what we as parents, um, as mothers, we're getting sort of what we're desiring, the, the achieved sort of behavior or goal, like we're getting that outcome, like, okay, great. They're going upstairs, they're brushing their teeth, but we're, but we're also tapping into their creativity and their play and their attention. So we can grab their attention, and they're able to do what they need to do. You know, oh my goodness, let's brush our teeth, and and oh my goodness, let's pretend let's pretend that we're you know with the dentist, and let's let's show the dentist how we brush our teeth. You know, there's different ways that we can kind of imagine and still get what they what they need to do done, and so we can do it by using play and and the use of spontaneity. Um, So that's definitely been effective. And I've worked on that even with like teachers and school administrators just to be able to for them to use creativity um, in the classroom. And it it is definitely um, effective. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing I I teach, I think I talked about a little bit earlier, was to help children like when they're in that moment to actually, I say like, stop, like freeze. And then they actually are able to name the feeling. So like I'll I'll teach them like superpower versus sour power. We get our met out. So superpowers, like, I'm just so mad, like just naming it, like even Dr. Dan Siegel talks about naming it to taming it. And it's better when it's stated out loud and received, someone can hear it, than if we're just sort of internally feeling that way, it could, could feel we could feel helpless. So really, I teach my kids and even like my two-year-old will say, like, I'm mad, I'm just so mad, or I'm sad, or you can he can be able to actually verbalize it. And so that's a great way where we can help them shift the moment. Well, you're mad, what can we do with you're mad? You know, do we stomp it out? Do we, are, are we lions? Can we roar loudly? You know, once we get there, them to sort of name that feeling and express it, then we can do something with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to ask you, is there an age where um, kids kind of really understand the difference between right and wrong? Um, and and when is that? When they kind of establish um, a sense of empathy when they've done something wrong?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I tend to see it as young. I mean, I've, in my practice, I've I've worked with children as young as three, and I've seen them be, be able to um, to have that that understanding. And especially with drama therapy, we use a lot of like role reversal. Um, so I've seen three year olds be able to have that that sense of um, understanding, that that sense of morality. And it, even in my my own youngest, who's who's almost three, in between two and three, I can see that. To stop and sort of look when um, my other my other children maybe are crying or upset by something maybe he did or said and so I, I I think I see at that age they're able to know their world yes I mean they're thinking from an ego place like oh it's everything is sort of what I want but then in those moments I think it's it, they are able to see we, it's important for us to sort of capture it to pause it not to let the moment go I mean I try to pause. Uh, my my youngest, my two year old, almost three year old. In that moment, you know, stop. Look at look at your sister. You know, what is she doing? Oh, she's crying. You know, why is she crying? She's sad. Why is she sad? Really, it's it's important, I think, to almost play out that moment of of that consequence and 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 be able to strength strengthen their their sense of morality. But I I see that they are able to have it as young as you know, in the toddler age.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, they might not be able to articulate and, and verbalize what they're feeling. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to do the same thing with my kids where, you know, if, um, they're snatching toys from each other or, um, you know, like relegate to hitting biting, it's like, I just stop and then, um, kind of have the person who wronged the other, see that this you know the he's crying or she's crying because you hit him you know Mm -hmm. um and so yeah I think kind of like stopping that moment in time so that they get to process what they've done Mm -hmm. is pretty powerful
1: Mm -hmm. Um, what is your take on time out Sometimes it's helpful too with toddlers to actually use what's in drama therapy we call a projective technique. So in addition to maybe connecting with look what, you know, what, how your sibling, your sister's feeling, she's crying because you hit her, you stole her, her toy, you ruined her, what her creation. Um, I, I, so I do do that. But also if you use um, like an object, a stuffed animal or something like that, and also um talk about the sour power way that they let their mad out. You know, you use the sour power way to get your mad out. You were hitting. And so bear now feels sad. Maybe you use the bear to also relate to uh the sibling who was actually, you know, hurt. The, 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 oh, it, it was it's also bear. Maybe bear is upset. Maybe if the child like throws something, sometimes they throw something on the floor or a toy on the floor, I'll say like, now the toy feels sad. You threw me on the floor. Why did you throw me on the floor? Really personally, that's called personification in drama therapy. You bring things to life that obviously aren't living, but that's also where there's empathy. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, my favorite bear is sad because yeah. Yeah. I threw it on the floor. You know, there's other tactics and ways um, through play to also get them to, get them to feel um, the weight of sort of their consequences and gain empathy and perspective taking. Um, but for, for timeouts, I, I have used them in, in my own parenting and I tend to use it more of like, a time in, a way that they can sort of reflect. And so I don't use it often, um, although I feel like in some moments it's important for them to just sort of, and it is a place where I can see them, I'm close to them. It's not an area where they are like, oh, you have to go upstairs. Like I want children to feel, and I think this is important too, that, um, and I think for adults, we feel this, that we know innately when we did something that wasn't the best choice, we could feel internally, we could feel guilt, we could feel bad, we also could feel shame and this is where um, I see children, not only you know, my own, but also those that I work with. This is where it could, it could turn into a bit of a problem when children start to internalize feelings of shame. Um, because guilt means, oh, I made a, a, a not a great choice and I maybe did something that wasn't great. Um, but guilt, but shame is I am bad. You know, I am the bad choice. I am bad. And, and kids struggle with this. Even when I, when I see them in my practice, a lot of times I just don't want to get into trouble. You know, I want to do the right thing because I don't want to get into trouble. And so that I feel like, um, I, I would rather, you know, children to, to feel the internal consequence and, uh, to know that next time they can make a better choice. And so that reflecting time for me, I mean, even in my own practice with with children, is pausing in that moment and having them. I use like the traffic light, where it's the yellow. Like that's just pause on yellow, just like when we're driving. You know, you yeah. have to start to slow down. We have to slow down our bodies. <coughs> this is about self regulation, this is about pausing and starting to really use that prefrontal cortex. I'm going to pause on yellow. I'm going to. Um, then stop, I'm going to stop my body. And as I'm stopping, I'm going to be thinking what are the three best choices I can make. So hey, I didn't make that great choice last time, but I'm going to stop in this moment. And I'm going to go on green when I make the best choice. So I do that too, with my children, and even the kids that I work with, like stopping and to when they're taking that time in to reflect, what can we do next time? What can we do? What are three options? So instead, you know, it's about problem solving, me in my own parenting practice but with the children i work with so you felt frustrated so you did this but maybe what we can do is i didn't know where you were coming from if i'm talking to my daughter so oh you really needed time alone so there just talk to mommy and you can go upstairs and listen to music for five minutes if you're feeling frustrated by being with your two brothers next time maybe you can talk to me like if she was struggling with something and she needed to reflect there's usually the children are reacting a certain way they're feeling frustrated. It's hard for them to sort of problem solve. But if they can stop and kind of think about different options and let us into their world a little bit, we can have more understanding. We can help them problem solve. We can, it's like we're negotiating and navigating that, uh, this challenge together. It's not just on them. We want to be able to provide those, those helpful um options going forward. And even children as young, you know, as, as two to three, my little one understands you know, oh, we're going here. You know, why are you frustrated? Oh, I, you know, I want to play. Like, do you okay? So, do you want to bring that with you on our way? Do you want to bring one toy? You know, we can start to to help them problem solve.
0: I I love the idea of a time in. I think that, you know, being able to, um, show them how to be mindful and um you know reflect and and understand what self-introspection is at a young age will really set them up um, for success in the long run um, and being really attuned to who they are um, so I, I really love that philosophy and you know the difference between shaming and guilting is one that we often overlook and I think that maybe what was um, tried and tested in the past just, doesn't really work now you know we're, we're way more aware as parents um we have a lot more literature and you know avenues and um information out there to know that there's other tactics that can actually um incite them to change uh without having them feed, feel bad about themselves
1: absolutely absolutely yeah and i think in that using that time in and having them reflect develops more of their sense of resiliency. So like, Hey, that's okay. We can bounce back. So now's a new moment. And what's, you know, we'll make a different choice and let's move forward with it. So we want them to build the resiliency, the problem solving ability, but yeah, we also want to maintain their sense of self, right. Their sense of uh, confidence and mastery in the world. We want them to know that they're competent and they can make positive choices. And when there is a lot of um, sort of that, that, uh, you know, punishment or, or, you know, children sort of being yelled at or these, uh, these other things that, yeah, children do tend to, I do see that um, with, with kids that I work with, they, they struggle with that internalized shame. And, and sometimes they've experienced it at school from teachers or from other kids and um, at times from, from their own parents. So, um, and I know that as you know, as moms or parents, like we're not perfect. So we are on that journey of learning. Um, although yes, many times children might not say that they're feeling that. So it comes out in behavior. It comes out in them being mad or frustrated or rebellious or no, I don't want to do that. And so, but in internal, they're internally feeling a certain way um, bad about themselves or or are shameful. So yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. For them to know that they're loved and we love them unconditionally and we're just helping them sort of problem solve. So
0: what are some of your top tips for first time moms? Um, A lot of the listeners are, you know, learning as we go. And we'd love to hear from someone who's not only a mom herself, but an expert as far as drama therapy and and dealing with
1: kids um, entails. So
0: tell us what your tips are.
1: So I mean the the first thing I think of is when I had my my first who's now almost she's turning 8 soon and my my mom came to visit and she was the mom my mom um, has five children I'm the youngest of five and wow. my 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 dad was in the military so he'd be gone for months at a time and so she and she was a, she's a retired teacher but there were long periods of time where she would stay home and she did feel isolated and she did need uh, specific, literal help, um, at many times that she let me know. of. So her suggestion when she, when she stayed with me to help was, you know, please join a mother's group, please find, or please find mothers that you can connect with and have that sense of community. And, how important that that is because I know that, you know, unfortunately she wasn't able to have that back then. And so I did, I took that to heart. I I was able to research and find like a local mother's group in my area. Um, There's about over a hundred moms that are part of it and we do various activities. I'm still a member myself um, and I've done activities with my own children. there. they host different holiday parties. We meet at, uh, you know, in the fall, like on a farm, and we do different things. And so, but over the years, it's been really crucial to have other mom friends that I can call or I can reach out to. Um, they all delivered uh, dinner when food, when, when my children meals, when my my children were first born. And um, if I'm going through a lot, my husband might be traveling and say, oh, I can come over, can I help watch them? I mean, it, I think it's just really helpful to have a, a support, even if it's one mom or just to call, I feel like it's, it's really important.
0: Yeah. What was the name of your mom's group? Um, I know we're both in Jersey. Can you tell us?
1: Yeah. This is called the Mother's Center of Central New Jersey. Okay. Moms from all over have, I mean, even have have driven, even if it's like 30 minutes or so, but they've driven because there's just so many different events that that they host. Um, So it's called, yes, the Mother's Center of Central New Jersey. There's Mm -hmm. a website and we come up with different like each season, there's like a new um, kind of like newsletter and different, re- different activities and, and resources and groups and events. And they do fun little parties. And again, I've been a member since my child was eight months old and now she's turning eight. And it's been so, vi- it's been very vital. Absolutely. Just to be able to, mm-hmm. and some people, they kind of lose touch, but then maybe they go back just for a party or so it's nice just to even be able to kind of come in and out and just to hold on to those friendships with the mom. is really great.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I think, you know, as soon as I had my twins, um, my OBGYN gave me a list of mom groups, um, ones that were, um, twin mom groups. And then there was like breastfeeding groups. Um, of course, if you want to go virtual, there's ones on Facebook. So if you need a nanny, like you can find one, you know, because you have, um, this army of other mothers who are there to support you. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I find that to be very, very helpful. I'm part of a group called Hey Mama, and it's um, really a league of um, incredible professional women. Um, you know, Reagan Moya-Jones, who I interview um, on the podcast, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Aiden and A, is a member, um, Melissa Benesha of Baked by Melissa. Rebecca Minkoff, I mean, some really heavy hitters Mm -hmm. um, happen to be moms. And Mm -hmm. I feel like having any community to kind of um, be in your corner in that way is so, so important, especially when motherhood can feel incredibly isolating. Tell me
1: about a mom sense moment that you've had. One that comes to mind is when my middle child he was born right before like the holiday time so in December and so he was mm, probably like maybe I want to say around six weeks old or so and he was having some symptoms I just I knew I mean at that point I he was my second child but I just I knew that he was sort of spitting up and he was having some symptoms that I just like I knew were, were off um so I just incessantly contacted our pediatrician um, and at first, she was sort of like, "No, it's no big deal. It's maybe just this or that. It's not a big deal." Um, but it, it, I knew that as time was sort of going by, that it was something more concerning. So I just didn't let up and called again, even if it was whatever one or whatever in the morning of just calling in, saying like, "No, this is bad. This is what I'm seeing." And so finally, she said, "Yeah, that sounds like um RSV. That sounds like he. It's more serious. And so you do have to go to the ER, and and I did and." Um, and it was and he was, you know, hooked up to tubes and thank goodness he was okay. But we were there for probably about five, six days that I slept there um mm-hmm. with him. And he was I mean, he was fine, he was great, and so it was a lot of advocating, like, yes, I can nurse him here and And at first, even with the hospital, they didn't so much want me to do that um, because it's breathing and whatnot, but the pediatrician advocated and said, no, she can. And so it was just a lot of advocating, but trusting, going back on that mom sense, kind of gut instinct of, hey, this doesn't feel right, and I'm going to advocate for my child. And so I'm glad that I did, and he's fine.
0: It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. What is
1: a product that you are loving right now that you want to share with us? My middle child and my my youngest, so five and a half and two, almost three. Um, we were noticing like at dinner time or just any meals, that before we weren't really using like booster seats and so that, so it was I just noticed that meal time was sort of hard. Um, for them to kind of stay put but I found this wonderful product that's that's worked wonders it's called caboost it's a portable chair booster it's spelled k-a-b-o-o-s-t I found it just like on a whim I found it on Amazon but basically it just it connects to like the bottom of chairs so -hmm. it's not actually like a seat that they sit on because before we had those but they would sort of slide off or become dirty or just kind of cumbersome Um, but I've actually worked they've worked brilliantly they can kind of come off but they're safe and it, it, and I found one in sort of a neutral color, so it's not even really like noticeable or anything. Um, and I've had people over, like we had we had a, uh, someone, a contractor come in to do some painting and he was like, oh, you know, those are cool. Um, he used to be our neighbor. And so he knows our kids very well. And so he's like, well, those are neat. What are they? Um, so he was interested. He has a lot of grandkids himself. And then even my mom came to, to visit and she noticed them and she said, oh, that's so wonderful. And how innovative. And so I would definitely recommend that.
0: So my mom haul product is Davines All-in-One Milk. It's uh, a hair type of spray serum, if you will. Um, and it is like a game changer. Um, my hair, you know, was really thick and luscious when I was pregnant. And I was pregnant like basically two years back to back. And then all of a sudden the hair hair fall kicks in, you know, and you just, you're left with these locks that are like lifeless and stringy and just no fun at all. Um, so I use, uh, this This is something that my hairstylist recommended and it's, uh, it's great. It just, um, makes you want to run your fingers through your hair all day long. Um, it's almost like a detangler and lotion. Um, and then I also use it before I blow dry my hair. So, um, yeah, it's called the Davines. Um, all-in-one milk and um, a little less than two ounces is 17 bucks Um, and if you want the five ounce bottle it's double that at 34 so it costs a pretty penny but it is worth it let's not forget our quote of the day Um,
1: tell us a quote that you live by Great. Right. And I love this part too that you include in, in your podcast. I, I like to think of a quote from the poet E.E. E. Cummings. And the, the quote he shares is, it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. And just, I know it's so simple about like being brave and being courageous, but I feel like, uh, I, I feel like, I don't know, it's that quote somehow really resonates with me along with my, how I live my life personally, but also as a mom, how I try to parent Um, but in how I work as well, just trying to really be brave and be as authentic as I can and bring that sense of like authenticity and courage and bravery, um, to my kids, to my own life and to the work that I do being of service to my community and and those that I I work with, um, in my practice. So, yeah, I would say that, that quote really inspires me.
0: That's fantastic. Um, thank you so, so much for being on the show and enlightening us, uh, with your philosophies and tips and we can all take a cue from you and better relate to our children. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out today.
1: I really appreciate you having me, Kanika. And again, thank you for, for hosting this podcast. I think it's just a wonderful resource for, for moms and just for for them to take that time out and really actually make it a time in really to, to really be (laughs) able to talk about that, those moments where they can, recharge and listen and regroup and, and gain insight. And I think it's just really genius. So I, I'm thankful for you for offering that. And again, just for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some great takeaways from our expert drama therapist, Brooke Campbell. I think she had some really interesting points on what's going through your kid's head when they're throwing a tantrum and how to understand it and how to help them overcome it. And I think if we put um, these practices in place, hopefully the tantrums are few and far between. That is the goal. So, tune into other episodes of That's Total Mom Sense on my website, aptly, thatstotalmomsense.com. And if you have any suggestions for show topics or guests or just want to say hi, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. Stay strong, Super Mamas. See you next time. That's Total Mom Sense.